All right. Booker Tov, welcome to the first day of Mesechus Babakama, Daf Days. Um, let me say a, a few words about uh, the Babas and about Babakama before we start. Number one is, okay, so Babakama means first gate. First gate, middle gate is Baba Matia, Baba Bata's last gate. Um, it's really a way of saying section one, section two, section three. Uh, there actually is another Babakama, Baba Matia, and Baba Basra in Shas, which is in Mesechus Kalim. Mesechus Kalim in Tara, so I'm sure you've all learned that right. Um, so Mesechus Kalim has 30 prakim and it's divided up into three sections of 10 prakim each here too the three bubbas have 10 prakim each equally divided into th- so it's 30 prakim and it's pretty except you know it's pretty uh, clear that I mean the Gemara actually references it that um, that these initially really were one Meseches called Meseches Nezikin so we have Seder Nezikin but we had Meseches Nezikin broken up into section 1 section 2 section 3 obviously Seder Nezikin constitutes more constitutes Sanhedrin and Makos and Avodah and so on which explains another curiosity which is as I told you before the order of Masechtot in Shas is really based on size as defined by number of prokim number of chapters the problem is that each of the bubbles have 10 chapters but Sanhedrin has how many chapters what? 11 so why is Sanhedrin and not only that Marcos only has three chapters and then after Marcos you get bigger ones like Avodah Zarah. So what's Marcos, a small one, doing after Sanhedrin and before Avodah Zarah? Marcos was part of Sanhedrin. So Sanhedrin really had 14 chapters. So what's Sanhedrin doing after the Bubba's? And the answer is, the Bubba had 30 chapters. Okay, so now we've got that all figured out. Okay, anyway. So, (laughs) I know. So, um, a lot of this is rooted in um, all of the Bubba's. Well, Bubba Basra, a lot of Bubba Basra is... Uh, rabbinic law and we'll worry about that later but certainly Baba Kam and Baba Metziah are heavily rooted in Parshas Mishpatim um, and then when you get to Sanhedrin and Makos that's the other sort of part of Mishpatim that's how the cases are adjudicated and judged right so first you have to lay out what is the civil law right was it that partly, mostly it's Mishpatim the civil law and then you have to deal with how is it adjudicated and that's Sanhedrin and Makos and how is it judged and then Avodah Zarah gets into other things okay so that's like the basic you know, picture of the whole thing, um, and um, within that, you know, the Rambam divides it. The Rambam has two sections of his Mishnah Torah. One is called Mishpatim, and the other is called Shoftim. Right? Shoftim v'Shoftim titan l'cha. Now, a lot of things that Sanhedrin deals with is in Parshat Mishpatim, but one are the laws, and the other are the adjudication, the court system. So that's the Babas, and then Sanhedrin and Makos. Now, within Baba Kama, of the three, Baba Kama is the most coherent. Um, Baba Kama deals with really just a few psukim um, in Parshas Mishpatim. I mean, Gittin dealt with, with like a total, what, three psukim all of Mishpatim. Gittin was an explication of those three psukim. But anyway, this deals with a few psukim, and I actually have a very uh, warm spot in my heart for Baba Kama. I really enjoy learning it because it's such a lovely balance of like Midrashe Halacha engaging directly in the psukim and then having like, you know, these sort of rabbinic, you know, sugyot, the classic Talmudic sugyot. You know, often it's like, like okay, so I just got through saying that Gitin was all a extrapolation of like three psukim in the Torah. Fine, but you read through all the Mishnah's Gitin, you barely ever referenced to Pasuk, right? Um, other times, 
times, like when we're doing the drash on a psukim, you do the drash on the psukim and there's no real sugi involved. But Bukham is like constantly working with the psukim and constantly bringing in the midrash halacha and then extending and extrapolating and developing that. So it's a really nice sort of classic, you know, uh, distillation or of Torah al peh and that sense of the engaging of the psukim. So the first six prakim are devoted to what's called nizkei mamon which does not refer to the thing being damaged but the damaging thing these kamamon is when your property damages your ox goes off and it damages you were the cause of somebody else's damage to somebody else's person or property um, classically again as I said through your animals your cow goes off and gores someone and eats somebody's food and stomps on somebody's vessels but it could also be uh, things that are like indirect causation but through some concrete object what does I mean like indirect mean you dig a pit and something falls into the pit. You light a fire and the fire spreads. So, you know, you could say the fire is your property but the pit is your property, but really like I own the fire and if I dig the pit in the middle of the road, it's my property. So, there's an interesting conceptual question. Do we categorize those as types of cases of your property damaged? It's a thing you own damaged? Or do we more categorize it as like, like you brought about the damage, but, there, but the normal principle is that it's grumma indirect causation, you're exempt. So it's not just that you brought it about, it's that there's through some concrete thing that you created. So that's classic Nizkei Mamon. There's something concrete here, your cow, your well, your fire, that caused or brought about damage to somebody else, somebody's person or property, and therefore you have a li- you are liable. Okay? it's an extension of you to some... Well, we'll talk about There's two ways of thinking about that, and I'll get to that when we get to the first Mishnah. Okay, that's the first six chapters are all about... Our, Oh, and, excuse me, within that, those chapters is Adam Hamazik. There's Mamon Hamazik, your property that causes damage, and Adam Hamazik, you cause damage to somebody else's property. Okay, so that's also, those are the first six chapters. You know, some, some degree they're nicely divided, sometimes they're a little bit intertwined, but whatever. Those are the first six chapters. Then, the remainder of it has to do more with, uh, with again, with human acts, okay, and that's divided into the following. You have the seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth one have to do with Gnev and Gazela, theft and burglary. Okay, a willful act of stealing somebody else's property, either by directly, you know, stealing it, like you know, just or sneaking, like which is theft, or sneaking into their house in the middle of the night and taking it without their knowledge. Burglary. Okay, Gnev and Gazela. That's seven, nine, and ten. What are what does number eight deal with? Eight is called Hachovel, Chavala, personal injury. So it is that you damaged another person, caused physical injury not to somebody's property, but to their person. And obviously there's much greater degrees of liability when you cause damage to somebody's person. So what you'll notice if you make a matrix about this, let's put Gnev and Gzela out because that's a separate thing, that's an act of stealing. You have, I damaged your property, that's Adamamazik, that's somewhere in the first six prakim. I damaged, I injured your person, that's Chavala. Personal injury. That's chapter eight. My property damages you. That's all called mamonamazik. Again, all the six bucking. No distinction though between whether my property damages your property or my property damages your person, right? And if you think about it a minute, that's like, wait, that's not exactly fair, right? If, at the end of the day, if my ox gores out, you know, you know, uh, gores out, gores somebody's uh, leg and they now have lost use of their leg, shouldn't that be treated differently than if he just damaged? 
damages their vessels, right? The same way you do by a human being. Shouldn't personal injury also play a factor when it's an animal that does the damage? But we will see that, interestingly, it really does not. Okay? So those are the basic types of cases we're dealing with. Okay? My self or my property... Right, this would be shore or bore or an age, okay? Whatever damages somebody else's person, well, let's do, yeah, okay, fine, person or property, okay? How do I have to do that? I'm sorry, I have to go like this. Person, I don't know if this is making it more confusing or not. It is making it more confusing? Yes, fine, forget it then. Okay, forget. Okay. okay. Right, made less confusing for you? Making it more confusing for other people. What? Chest day means when you cause that. You, you when you injure somebody else. Not you, right, that's what I was trying to do on that chart, but I think it was confusing. It was, when, better you, was better without the chart. That's what I thought. Okay, anyway, when my person dam- does personal injury to somebody else, that's Chavala. When my, pr- when my property, when my person does damage to somebody else's property, that's Adam Hamazet. Okay? So when my property mean? damages somebody else, else, else's person or property, that's Mamon Hamazet. So yeah, that's, that would be you did it. Okay? Because you are directly manipulating the object that's doing it. We'll get to cases like that. But when we say your property damages, that means without directly being manipulated by you. Okay? If I shoot an arrow at somebody, right? So then that's right. So that would be considered me, not my property. Yes. You would also expect a fundamental distinction between your animal and your other forms of property because the animal has some form of consciousness. Right. So all of those we're going to get right to in the first Mishnah. So let's now jump in. Okay, so the first Mishnah says, Arba Avos Nizikin. There are four major categories of, of damage. Things that I think I'm liable for in terms of the damage they cause. Hashur, the ox, Habur, the uh, the ditch, the well, uh, the pit, the hamave, which is what does that mean? Debating the Gemara. Some say it means shame when my animal eats. Some say it means other yeah, uh, mamazik when a person damages. Very strange word to be using. And have their fire. Now, why are what? So this is a very confusing list. First of all, ox, as we're going to see in a minute, there are three types of categories in the Torah when my ox causes damage. One is when it gores somebody, which is referred to as keren, like the horn, the goring. One is when it tramples on objects. That's called regel, okay, in the Mishnaic Talmudic language. And one, when it eats somebody else's, uh, gr- you know, grain or food or whatever, that's called shane, the tooth. All of the, so where are all those three different ones? Maybe they're all meant by the word sure. Not if you say Obviously, not if you say mave means eating, right? But, okay, so there, let's assume all three of those are by the word sure. So we have all these different types of ways in which an ox, which an ox damages. We have the pit that I dig. We have a fire. So those are really conceptually different. Right? What is het mave? According to that, the only thing mave is left to be is an automamaze. Okay, but we will see debates about that. Now, um, the other problem is, what is the logic of the order? So Rashi says, if you take a look at the uh, quick Rashi, I just have to share this, is such a great uh, little chiddush uh, here, not of mine, of a Rishon. Shur Vabor, Rashi says, Keseir Shink Suvin Beparsha Sidrin Bemishna. Departure Rishon and Emra Beshur, Shniya Vabor. Rashi says, this is the order that they appear
appear in Parshas Mishpatim. Tosa says, this is not the order that they appear in Parshas Mishpatim. Okay, I won't walk you through the Tosa. But based on how you interpret what these things mean, Tosa says, this is so not... This is not, I don't know. This is not the order they appear in Parshas Mishpatim. So Tosa does somersaults trying to figure out what the logic of the order is. The absolute best answer, which is the absolute right answer, no question about it, is the Rabbeinu Peretz. And what he says is, the reason it's in this order is not because of any order in the Psukim or any logical order. It's because this is a good mnemonic in order to remember it when you're teaching it orally. Sure, bore, mave, hever. Okay? It's, it's like phonetically, it's almost rhymes, they go together. That also explains why they picked a weird word for mave. Whatever mave means, the answer is the reason they picked the word because it rhymes with hever or it sounds like hever. Okay? So anyway, those are the four categories. Now, let's see what the Mishnah goes with this. It's very interesting. I just mentioned how the whole Masechet deals with Midrash Halacha. The first Mishnah pretty much opens up with Midrash Halacha. So let's look at the Mishnah. Lo Ashur Kahare Hamave the characteristics of the shur are not like that of mave. We will assume for now, let's say for simplicity's sake, mave is automamazic. Okay, and the characteristics of mave, let's say automamazic, is not like that of the ox. Meaning, there are w- reasons which, if I just had one of them, I could not have inferred that the other one is liable. Okay, this one has certain stringent characteristics which, which explain why you're, you're liable that the other one doesn't have and vice versa. So any one by themselves, I would not have been able to infer one from the other. Okay? Now, but now I have both of them. Okay, even if I have both of them, can I generalize to all cases that you're liable when your property does damage? No. The Both of those, Shur and Mave, are living things. Either one is your goring animal and one is your eating animal, or one is your animal and one is yourself. But those are living beings. There you go, Dove, the point you made, like sort of conscious living beings. And maybe that's a special reason to be obligated for. And I could not have been third from that to apply it like fire fire is inanimate and maybe for if it's inanimate maybe there's less reason to be liable now why is there less reason well I'll get to but anyway clearly it's a different type of a thing fire is different than your ox okay now fire does not have the uh, uh, is not, doesn't, it doesn't have a spirit of life it's not a living thing now how about if I just had the ox of its var- with its variations, maybe the human being, maybe fire, because if I inferred from that the pit, what do you guys think? If I knew you were liable for your f- ox, for yourself, and for your fire, because I have inferred you were liable for your pit, why? All these things move. They go out and do acts of damage to other people. My fire burned somebody else. My axe gored somebody else. They go out and they damage and they do acts. Other people come to my pit and fall in my pit. Right? Maybe I'm not as liable for that. Okay? That's just the idiomatic expression. It means it doesn't have the same characteristics. Okay? If you say something like the relevant characteristics is sort of what it means. Okay? The Rosev is dark and Leilich Lahazik, and these are not. Uh, are, are the, all of these that have, which have the way of going out and damaging are not kahare abor like the pit 
that doesn't go out and do damage. Okay, so I have all of these different things, and as many of you know from this lo harezeh karezeh, lo harezeh karezeh, it ends with hatzad hashaveh shabehen, the common side, the common denominator. Meaning, one of them does not. You cannot learn out the other one. If I have all of them, I can infer the principle that guides all of them, and then I can abstract and apply that principle to cases that don't exactly fit into any one of these four categories. Great. So this opening Mishnah is going to tell us the secret. It's going to tell us, right, I'm serious, you know, it's like, when do you get a Mishnah like this that really starts at the beginning, okay, I mean, okay, lays out some basic cases in the Torah and tells you here is the operating principle. Here is what is the basis of why you're liable and presumably that you can now apply to any case. So let's see what the... I want to first see what the answer to the question is. Okay? Hatsar HaShavashabahen, the common side denominator, Shedarkan Lahazit, it is their propensity to damage, not Leilechu Lahazit, to go out and actively do damage to somebody else, but they have a propensity to cause damage. Okay? Vishmiratan Alecha, and you have a responsibility to uh, watch them, make sure that that doesn't happen. And when da- they do damage, the damager, which is you, I mean, you're not necessarily the mazik, you're the owner of the property, but it's interesting, it's calling you the mazik, you become liable to pay compensation for the damage, the mates of Haaretz. And if you're paying not with cash, but with land, you have to pay with grade A land. So that is adding in a lot of things, right? It's telling you, number one, what is the general rule, presumably applies to things that don't fall into those categories. Um, also telling you what the nature of the, of, of the payment is. And if it's going to be land, it has to be the best land. But there's also a really important question about how to parse this. How do you parse like the vav of Shmiras and Alecha? It's like by, you know, Yaakov, where he makes the ned there. He says, what is his condition and what is his what's he going to do is, is it if God serves for me as a God then I'll make this as a Mizdeach or is if God does all of this for me then he'll be my God and otherwise he won't be my God right where do you exactly transition from the condition to the actual consequence so here too it's a very interesting question with Vishmi Alecha is Shmiratan Alecha characterizing the types of things you will be liable for? Those things that you have an obligation to watch are the things you will be liable for. Which, of course, begs the question. What question does it beg? Does it ask? Does, is it plus? Yeah, what are the things I have an obligation to watch, right? Okay, or do you say... Really, things that, we just said the things that you're obligated to watch yourself. You're, no, but if we're abstracting it, you want to apply it beyond these cases. So is it those that have a propensity to damage and you have an obligation to watch are the things you're liable for if they go out and damage, or those things that have a propensity to damage, you have an obligation to watch them, and if you don't what then you're going to be liable to pay of course the question is wait but not everything that has a propensity to damage I don't have an obligation to watch your ox I don't have an obligation to watch an ownerless ox so there's still a question that needs to be answered but it's very interesting whether Shmirat Lecha is a consequence and we first define a basic relationship which imposes upon you an obligation to watch and liability or no does it start with identifying things that you're liable to watch and then we talk, can talk about the liability okay so very interesting um, one other thing to say about this broad case, or two other things to say about this broad principle. Number one is um, 
um, that this gets to the question Rabbi Dov was asking, which is, how do you conceptualize, this is really key, this is going to be a key guiding question for the whole next six programs, so pay attention. Uh, seriously. Here uh, is, how do you conceptualize why am I liable? Am I liable because it's my fault? I should have watched my animal. I shouldn't have dug that pit. I shouldn't have lit that fire. And I shouldn't have, I should, if I was going to, I needed to have watched it. It's my fault, okay? Basically a type of a pshia. I'm to blame, all right? Then we have to identify what are the things that you have an obligation to, that you are to blame for. If it's your ox, you should be watching it. If it's your fire, you should be watching your pit. You shouldn't be digging it in the middle of the street. But basically the answer is, it's my fault. Okay, that's one way of conceptualizing it. All right, the other way of conceptualizing it, it doesn't matter if it's my fault or not. My thing did it. My kid goes into the store and he breaks, you know, the, the, the vases there. It doesn't matter if I was attending to some emergency and I, was, had, or I wasn't honest and I couldn't be watching my kid. My kid broke the stuff, I've got to pay for it. If my property causes damage, I've got to pay for it. Okay, so one of them, the, 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 the first one approach, it's my fault seems what's strongly emphasized by this Mishnah it speaks about my obligation to watch it says that you know it says that I cause me the mazik if they damage the mazik I'm called the mazik okay so cause talking about my obligation and I become obligated you know and I'm the mazik very much emphasizes it's like it's my fault I'm to blame alright another way of talking about it is this idea that no it's just my, my property I, it's like liability rather than fault okay absolute liability and that's normally framed in the sort of achronish literature as just mamon hamazik right the phrase I use with mamon hamazik it's not my pia my negligence it's my property did it and therefore I pay for it okay so, so how well, you, you well the question is everybody agrees there are cases I'm exempt like if I watched it my animal I'm exempt but how do you conceptualize that do you conceptualize it you really should be liable but you know what you, since you tried we'll, 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 we'll let you off Okay, but, but it starts with a fundamental approach to liability. Or do you say, of course you're not liable. You had no fault. You did what you're supposed to be. So how, what type of watching gets me off, right, makes a, to make a big difference if I start with a presumption of liability or I start with, with a presumption that you're only going to be obli- you know, obligated once you are negligent. Yes, Rabbi Dove. Um, can, for me, that's another overarching thing. Maybe you want to do it at a different point. But the makeup of honor is Yeah. So we're going to have a whole second in the Gemara that's going to be about Metav, okay? So that's going to be like, so, so we will get back to that, yes. It's peculiar to include the boar as Darko Lahazik. It's the one thing that's not ambulatory. It well, that's the, it's not Lelech Ulahazik. Right. So Lehazik Darko here means it has a propensity to cause damage, okay? Right. It's dangerous, right. exactly. Right. Exactly. In a way, it's more Darko Lahazik. Maybe your phrase isn't this, is the Lehazik, which sounds like an active act of damaging, okay? Because yeah. it means to bring about damage. People aren't necessarily dark No, right. That's, we're going to be seeing that. Great. Let's look at the Gemara. Mirektani Avos, Tolados. Since it says there are four fathers, categories, it means that there are also descendants, children. There are things that are sub-things within the categories. Okay? Are there descendants like them or not like them? Now, why would I have thought that they wouldn't be? Isn't the whole idea of making categories to say that these things therefore follow the same rules? So the says, look, by Shabbos Shabbos we taught, there are 39 Malachot. 
Michlal dikatolados. The fact that it calls it 39 categories or fathers means that there are descendants. Right? One of the major categories is, is, uh, Cooking, a descendant would be frying or baking. Actually, technically, it's baking and cooking is a descendant. Okay. Anyway, right? There's all these sub things that are part of those that, that are the, the tolados. So uh, now the halacha is that the tolados have the same law as the avot. Loshna av chatas, loshna tolada chatas. If you do it peshogeg, whether you're doing the av, whether you're doing the tolada, right? Whether you are I don't know uh, harvesting wheat or picking apples, you are either way violating Shabbos deoraita a malacha and you have to bring a chatas if you did it for shogeg a sin offering what? the consequences of the act are the same right oh yeah that's so kiyote means as opposed to what? how do you uh, uh, as opposed to the things that we characterize in it do they have the same character right so that's a good point and we'll, it'll be a little tricky in a minute but you are right the presumption is something only gets called a tolada because it shares relevant characteristics so that otherwise if it, was, if it had different characteristics it wouldn't be a tolada and then the question is but are the laws the same correct so, okay, so either way you have a chatas. And if you do it willfully, so whether it's the father or the child, you will get le- you will get stoned. Okay, if that's true, who needs the categorization? Is there any difference between the Am and the Tolada? So yes, Navkamina, here's the difference. The ilu avot if you did two avot malacha, at the same time, okay, presumably of different malachas, inami stay tolados bahadiyadadi, or two tolados at the same time, again, uh, presumably of different malachas, in that case, mechaiva kochada vachada, you would have to bring um, a different korban for each one. You can't, we can't kill you twice, but if it's about korbanos, you'd have to bring a different korban for each one. Okay, the ilu, it's so, so, such a shame, we can't kill you twice. The ilu of it av the day, but if you actually did an av and it's to, and a tolada. You both baked and cooked. You harvested grain and you picked an apple. Okay? All in one stage of forgetfulness. You forgot it was Shabbos. Okay? You forgot these things were usher. And you did these acts. Okay? You'd only bring one. Now, I did, in the, in, parenthetically, say, say something as I was reading it. Presumably, different avot, toladot of different avot, because there's two ways of conceptualizing this. The way we basically, what we basically say, lahalacha, is anytime you do multiple things that fall into the same category, you're only bishoging in one state of forgetfulness, you're only going to bring one korban. So if I, you know, cook twice, I bring one korban. If I bake and I fry, I bring one korban. If I cook and I bake, I bring... They're all in the same category. They're all variations of the theme. Of the theme. However, you could read the Gemara a little differently. You could read the Gemara that because something is a tolada, it gets, it gets like, it, it gets shadowed over in the present of its av. So if you have an av and a tolada, it's not because they're in the same category. The tolada is discounted or like, you know, whatever, bracketed. It doesn't carry its own weight in the presence of its av. But if you have two av, but if you cook and cook or you bake it or you fry and fry, right, then one doesn't overwhelm the other. And then you would be chayev twice. It's only when you have the, the bigger thing and the smaller thing, as it were, that then they get conflated. Anyway, that's not the way you see how you could read that in the Gemara. Yeah. Something like that, although they're of equal weight. Right. Anyway, you, you're not seeing the two different ways to read the Gemara? But you think you find frying, mean, different form of frying? No! Right. Let, let's say you do the same thing twice, okay? Two tolados, right? You could read the Gemara to say that even if I do two tolados, to- the only thing the Gemara excludes from two korbanot 
is an Av and its Tolada. So you could say any other matchings of two things, they don't overwhelm. Things have equal weight. Or an Av and a different Tolada. The only thing that sort of overshadows is an Av in the presence of its own Tolada. Alright, so, but anyway, we don't say that. We basically say anytime something falls into one category, multiple Avot, multiple Tolada, whatever, if it's all in one category, it's one Korban, different categories for different Korban. Yes? If, if you uh, do try and then you try again, would you need to have a warning for the second If it's Benazid, but we're talking about show gig okay right but it's bizarre to think that anyway that e- right it's, it's bizarre to think that even Bishogeg you could do too so anyway there's different ways to say what I just said but I don't want to um, go any further okay but bottom line is the purpose of categorizing Av and Tolada is to say that when it falls within one category everything that falls in one category is going to bring be one Korban okay now the Gemara says but it's not really a different Halacha it's not Toladas are treated less weightily or differently it's just when they're all in the same category it's only going to be one korban. Rabbi Eliezer, the Mechaiva Tolada B'Makam Av. Now, Rabbi Eliezer says that if you do an Av and it's Tolada, you actually bring two korban out. So, according to that, Amai Karile Av, Amai Karile Tolada. Why is it called an Av and a Tolada? So, the Mar says, that, that wasn't the Mishkan in terms of the acts that were done in the building of the Mishkan that's, that, and that, that were important. Those are called the Av. Those that were not important and, and uh, were not in the Mishkan and, and important, it's a question how to parse this, I'll get back to that. Karile Tolad, it's called the Tolad, which basically means, one minute, basically means there's no halachic relevance of calling it anything. It's just a way of labeling and categorizing, but at the end of the day, you could give me a list of a thousand things that are usher on Shabbos without any categories, and it would not matter whether it was a thousand doraita malachas on Shabbos or whether it was 39 and categorizing it the way you did. None of that. It's all just a way of identifying which are the things that are derived from which started as the Mishkan, which starts to derive a way of organizing it, but there's no halachic meaning at all to that. Now, what does it mean, the Mishkan Hashiva? Does it mean anything that was in the Mishkan is important and therefore is called an Av, and anything that wasn't in the Mishkan is not important? Or does it mean you have to have two characteristics? It was in the Mishkan and it was important. There are a lot of things they did in the Mishkan that were not important enough to raise to the level of an Av, right? I mean, you know, they can, if they shined a piece of metal, that's not a Right, it's only things that are identified within the things of the Mishkan. We have to identify which are the ones that are really of creative significance. Okay. Anyway, so that's an interesting question about how do you identify what the avos malachos are. But anyway, according to Rabbi Eliezer, it's just a way of labeling and categorizing. No nafkamin at all. But even according to the to our general approach, it's not that all tolada has a different din. It's just that when some things of the same category come together, they're treated differently. Are you okay. Shiva is important, or is it chashuv in that way, or is it like counted? Because that's what I would identify as an action in that context. Yeah, so I think that it is read both ways. Tosos tends to important, but you could say anything that was in the Mishkan is chashiva, is either important or is counted. But then, you know, but then it would just be chashiva. I don't know, the grammar is funny. Anyway, but yes, you could read it that way. Okay, so that's Shabbos. Now by Tuma we teach A source of Tuma 
the primary source of Tumah something that is not a derivation but is the primary source so what's a primary source so uh, well obviously the first thing we think of is a human corpse okay but we'll get to that but you have a dead rodent okay or you could think about a sheret or you could think right or you could think about a nizela another like a dead animal or shechvat zera right uh, uh, what do you call it uh, semen um, you could also talk about people that are primary source a mitzora a nida a zava a zav okay all these things although these are presumably talking about now the interesting thing that includes in this is tmei mace tmei mace is not a mace tmei mace is a person who came in contact with a mace technically speaking that should be a tolada because it's a derivative tumor he gets it by contact but because in the Torah it's clear that that person is tamay for seven days and we know that and we sort of we generally start with a presumption here and, and that well we'll see in a minute we know from other halachot that that person operates with the same weight his tumor carries the same weight as something like a dead rat or something like a nida the person who touched the mace or a zav okay so therefore not a rat actually it's not one of the shrugs but anyway okay so therefore even though it's derivative we call him an avatuma so then what do we call the mace Aviyavoda Tumah the granddaddy of Tumah okay so it's like what is it like the zeroth law of thermodynamics okay so these are all the Avot but there's a zeroth law there's the mate itself okay so technically he's derivative but he's given the status of Avatumah because it carries the same weight as everything else in the Torah other than a mace that's a primary source of Tumah so that's the Avatumah the primary source Todoseyin lav behen, and their derivatives don't have the same halacha Dilu av mitame adam v'kelim a, a, a avatuma, if they touch a person or they touch vessels, they make it tamay. The nevela, the the, the tamay mace, and so on. Okay, the zav, the ilu toldosayin, toldos. But if you have something that touched the av and is a derivative, it's what we call a rishon. A rishon means a first generation derivative. There's the avatuma, which is the source. And then there's the Rishon, the first generation derivative. The Shani is the second generation derivative. So if something is a Rishon, is a derivative, in that case, okay, the Ilu told those, Ochli Numaskin Metame. So if I went, if, 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 if um, if, if, what? You touched the Tmei If I touch the Tmei Mace, or I touch the Sheret, I become Tamei, I'm a Rishon. I now, if I touch food or vessels, I will make them Tamei. Okay, but Adam Bekelim Lomatame. I cannot make. I'm sorry. I said. Did I say vessels? I meant to say food. If I touch food, I will make it tame. But if I touch a person or vessels, Lomatame, I cannot. So the only way a person or vessels can become tame is in direct contact with the av. If a derivative can only affect food. Did I say food before? The only way a human or vessel can become tame is in direct contact with the av. If you're dealing with a derivative tuma, that can only be metame food. So. Now, here, what's the story? Are the Toldos like it or not like it? Now, the obvious point to say here right away is that is a complete different use of the word Av and Tolada. One is a prime, a category, a way of labeling the category of which things are conceptually derivative, but ultimately what we're saying is is that this shares characteristics and should be categorized in the same way. One might have appeared in the Torah or in the Mishkan. These other things, okay, it's not my ox that gores, it's my bee that stings, or it's my dog that bites, but nevertheless, these are basically concept, like, they're not the same concrete case, but, but they're, we're basically saying they share the relevant characteristics and they're put in the same category. Right? As opposed to this, 
the case of Tuma, where the point is that it's the actual Tuma that is one step derived. The actual, we're not talking about does it share characteristics, it's the thing itself that has actually been derived, you know, that has, that, that, that has transferred and been derived. So the obvious point would be, of course you're to be Kiyose Ben, it should be like Shabbos. You put it in the same category and it has the same halachot. Okay? So the question seems pretty obvious where it's headed. Now the other thing, so but let's see what the Gemara's answer is. Amar Rav Papa, Yeshmin Kiyose Ben, some are like them, some are not like the Avot. Which is like, okay, that was a very curious answer. You care to tell us which? So now what the Gemara is going to do is it's going to go out for about two Dapim, going through all of the Avos Nezikin, and identifying whether, and talking about their Toledos, talking about how we categorize what's an Av, you know, what defines this category, and what's in the category, and what are the Toledos, and then discussing what are the Halachot that apply to the category, and then looking at whether those Halachot are the same as they, with the Toledos as with the Av. In other words, it is a great little opening survey and introduction to the next six prokim. You're going to be introduced to all of the major categories, their basic definitions and characteristics, and what are the laws that apply to them, all in the service of answering the question of whether Todos and Kiyotze Ben. So obviously the point I'm making is it's not really in the service of that, it's the opposite. And this is a classic opening sugya of a mesechet, where basically it asks a question which isn't so much of a question, okay, but it's a way of getting you into material later into the Masechet. All right? So, so all of that going to be in service of comparing the, uh, the terminology of Avot and Zod for Tuma? No, we're dropping, we completely ignore Tuma and Shabbos. That was just a setup. It's a real, from here on in, we're just going to be saying, what are the Avot what are their Toledos? Do the Toledos... It's really an explication of a Papa statement. Do the Toledos follow the same rule as the Avot or not follow the same rule of the Avot? Okay? The Shabbos and Tumor was just a way to, 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 to raise the question. It really, and that's another point, by the way, that if you actually ask what was the original construct of this... Uh, Perik or whatever this of this sugya probably it started with you had the Mishnah and you had the statement of Rav Papa. Exactly. Rav Papa, you had the Mishnah and right after the Mishnah said a vote you know our Rabbis Nizikin Rav Papa said Yesh Kiyotze Ben Veishlav Kiyotze Ben. But the Gemara went back and said, oh, let's explain to you where Rav Papa is coming from because we have other cases of a vote until Ladot and some are Kiyotze and some are not Kiyotze and Rav Papa wanted to ask this question: Do we assume that the Toledos are Kiyotze or not? So now we got to Rav Papa. Rav Papa's question clearly came before the Stam that was put in to set up the question which is why we're never going to talk about Shabbos and Tumor after this okay now we're just going to talk about is it Kiyotze what is the what are the Avot what are the Toledot are the Kiyotze which is a perfect opening sugya to give us a survey of what are all of the different types of Avot Nizikin that we're going to be what dealing with what are the learning press when you say Kiyotze so it follows the name of what way okay so that in what way gets to the point I was going to make on the Mishnah but I'll make it now which is and this is another big question question about the public comment about the first six parkim and certainly the first parrot. When the Mishnah ended with saying um, uh, once we have a common rule a common denominator and a, a general rule do we need the categories anymore? Who needs to call something a Teren or a Shane or a Regel or a Bor or an Ace? It's all one rule. It's very simple. Okay? Were you, ob- were you obligated to watch it? Yes. Okay, so then you're liable for damages. Like, okay, we can just close the whole Masechah. That goes six plucking. We just covered. Okay, so the answer 
is that we can't say that because each one of those categories has special rules attached to them. If it's an uh, if it's an ox that gores, you only pay half the first three times. If it's a if it's, if it's an animal that tramples or eats, you're exempt if it does it in the public domain in Rishon Harabim. If it's a, a, a well, you're exempt for a, a vessels that break in a well. Okay, uh, I mean, uh, right, right. Okay, right. Okay, if it's fire, you're exempt under uh, if if something was buried under a haystack. Okay, so it really it really does matter. These four categories have very special halachot. So then, if that's true, who needs the common rule? So maybe there's like those things going on. If we can put you into one of those those four categories, then you get the special halachot of those four. If we can't put you in one of those four, then we can't do you, you this catch-all. Oh, well, it's your property and you're obligated to watch it, then you're going to pay. Okay, so there's like a catch-all rule and then there's a specific category rule. So that's the question of how those two relate. Alright, but that's why we want to know kiyotse behen or not kiyotse behen. Right? So the question would be, if you have a tolud of keren, are you going to get pay half for the first three times or not? Does it have those special halachos of keren or not. So this is exactly going to introduce us to what are the, the, the ways those categories are defined and what are the special halachot attached to each category. Not and mean that you'd either pay full or be off entirely. Yeah, who knows, exactly. Let's take a look. So now, now we got the setup. Okay, Tanu Rabbanan. Okay, so our rabbi saw, here's the brighter that's going to be the, get us into the answer. Gimel Avos Nemer Bashur. So forget the four Avos in the Mishnah. Within Shur itself, Shur breaks down into three Avot. Hakaren, Vashen, Varegel. The, the horn, the tooth, and the, and the leg. Um, Karen Minolan, where's the idea of the horn, the goring? Tatanu Rabbanan. If a shore gores, that means with the horn. So Tzitzkia made these horns of the uh, out of iron as a uh, of a way of uh, of uh, like what do you call it of, of like to sim- symbolize a future prophecy. This is what God says. With these you will gore Aram. Okay, so you see it speaks about a horn and being no geach, goring. I mean, he's coming right now. The firstborn of his ox is the glory to him, the carne re'em karnav, the horns of a re'em. Some people think that means a unicorn, or well, then it would be in plural. Anyway, the horns of whatever this animal is are his horns. With them, he will, they will, he will gore nations. So we're talking about horns and goring. I know. My v'omer, why did you have a second because we can't learn a Torah from, uh, from the words of the Kabbalah which here does not mean the Zohar it means the Nevi'im okay so therefore uh, Tashma we'll learn it from a Pesach in the Torah what? we're not learning a law from a Pesach there in Malachim so it's just showing us what a word means when the Torah says the, the Pesach in Malachim is not telling us oh here's a halacha about a goring ox okay we just infer from that what the term in the Torah means it's just learning out the meaning of a word it's a dictionary right that's not a halacha that you can't learn from later in Tanakh so the Gemara says so why still why do you need the Pasuk in the Torah Ella Maldetamer what would I thought maybe I would have said this because the basic idea of Karen is the first three times the animal is a Tam is a like is a non is a you know is a uh, tame I guess is a funny way in a 
listen, non-repeat offender, okay? And therefore, it only pays half. And Muad is a habituated repeat offender, pays full. So when does the Torah make that distinction? Maybe that would be if it would be a Nagicha, like the case of Nagicha in that Pasuk in Malachim. The Nagicha Malachim, he made these horns, right, these iron horns that wasn't attached to the animal's head. So maybe the Nagicha of the Torah would be if an animal picks up an iron horn that was dropped by Tzitkiah and he puts it in his mouth and he gores with it. That is completely bizarre and you only pay half. But if he gores with his attached horns, maybe you pay a full. Okay? So, honey, uh, that's if he uses an attached horn. Of a bimuchuberet, what? That's such a strange question. Picking up a detached horn? Well, not a horn, but a stick. Oh, that's I can tell you that I've I've gotten more bruises on my shins from my dog, you know, picking up a big stick and running at it. Oh, but that's uh, interesting. But that's a more reason to be more liable. We're not saying the opposite, but anyway. Okay. But either way, the word says, Honey, me the if it's its natural horn. Maybe it would always be considered habitual and therefore you'd always be full. So the post by Malachim is very explicit that it calls, focuses on a horn and goring, okay? But nevertheless, it's a detached horn. It's not exactly our case. So Tashma, come in here, before Shoro Hajar I don't know why I didn't start with the post. I'm not going to get worked up over this. Yes. So just this is a usage <laughs> of Tashma. Like normally when I hear Tashma, I think it is coming to dis. There's a there's a controversy over the machlokas and the tashma is coming right. to offer a clarification. clarification. That's exactly what's happening. Usually the structure is like question tashma blah 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 shma mean an answer and so here the structure is very different. It's just like oh yeah that's true. I mean I, I'd have to see how it plays out when the gemara is doing it in the context of like midrash halacha as opposed to okay. raising it as a halachic question. But you're right. Here it means I would have had this ambiguity. The puzzle comes in teeth and, and resolves the ambiguity. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well or it lacks the Shmamina at the end. Tashma brings the text and then the Shmamina says, okay, now we've resolved it. But here we knew the answer at the beginning. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, it is true. It's used a little bit differently. Yes. See, I'm just looking at the note over here. They, they asked this question that I, that I asked. And yeah, go ahead. I'm really not interested in the answer, but go ahead. No, they, 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 if you hadn't had the first one, they would have thought that that would have been so unusual, but exempt entirely. Okay, there you go. All right, so now the mother says like this. Um, told of the Karen Mahi. Good. We've got the idea of the Av, meaning we, meaning the Av, like we sort of sum up by Shabbos, by Shabbos was the Mishkan, here the Av clearly is the case described in the Torah. So the Torah describes the case of goring, but let's identify what type of goring, so we'll just be able to be concretely understand what is the case in the Torah. The case of the Torah is goring with horns. That's the case. What would a Tolada be? Something that I put in the same category, but isn't the exact same concrete case. So, Tolada de Karen Mahi, what is it? Nagifa, let's say it pushes somebody. Okay, Nishikha, it bites somebody. Revitsa, well, the question is why is it doing it? We're going to get to it. Crouches on something and breaks it. Beita kicks something. So the Mar says, before we get to why those are toladot, we're first going to clarify the word Nagifa. Majna Nagicha, the Karile Av. Right, you call Nagicha an Av because it says it in the Torah. Right, that's the idea. An Av is the case in the Torah. Okay, so the Gemara says, it also says Nagifa in the Torah, which means like pushing. So the Gemara says, no. Hi Nagifa Nagichi. That Nagifa in the Pasuk is not the same as the Nagifa in the Brighta. Nagifa in the Brighta means to shove and to push. That word Nagifa in the Pasuk is another word for goring. How do I know it's another word for goring in the Pasuk? 
Titania, Pazach Benegifa, Vesim Benegicha. The Pazach says, Ki Gofshur Isha Kyori Eva mate, right? Then it tells whatever. And then it says, O Ki Gach, Rashi says it. O no da Kishur Nagachu Mitmoshil Shom, Huadavalavaloish Marenu, right? So it starts by talking about pushing, and then it's, excuse me, uses the word Negifa, but then it says, or it's gored multiple times, which presumably tells you that the initial word meant goring. Okay, so yes, Negifa in the Brighta means pushing, but in the Torah, clearly it means goring. Okay, Patr Benegifa Vesim Benegicha Lomelcha, Zoe Negifa, Zoe Negicha. That means goring in the Torah. But now, if that's true, why is the Torah using different words? Why does it sometimes use one and sometimes use the other? And in particular, what the Gemara notices is, is that when it speaks about animals, the word Negifa only occurs when it's talking about goring animals. By animals, it uses both the word Negifa and Negicha. By humans, it only uses the word Negicha. So it thinks maybe that can tell us if they all essentially mean the same thing, why, maybe, maybe that's, in, we should, what's, being, what's the nuanced difference of why it uses the word Negifa with animals and exclude, and by humans, it exclusively uses the word Negicha. So, what? No, no, when it does it to an animal, as opposed to doing it to, I'm sorry if I wasn't clear. When an, an, egg, an ox scores an ox, it uses the word both Nagifa and Nagicha. When the ox was a human, it only uses the word Nagicha. Okay? So, Maishna Gabe Adam Dixiv Ki Gach only, only uses the word Nagicha. Maishna Gabe Mehema Dixiv Ki Gof. When it scores an animal, it either says Ki Gof or Yigach, but it also uses the word Ki Gof by goring animals. So, it says like this Adam the Islay Mazla, a human being that has luck, okay, that maybe, you know, is more naturally protected from injury because of the cosmos, however you explain what Mazla is. Okay, maybe we, yeah, you could obviously explain it in, in like, you know, naturalistic terms. You know, I don't know if that's the Gemara, but like, you know, we're, we, we more take care of ourselves if you want to say that. Although I will tell you, I was once on a vacation somewhere and, you know, we, I was doing some horseback riding and then we saw some people on these, like, you know, buggies, right? You know, these, like, uh, these, uh, you know, Jeep buggies, whatever. And I was like, ooh, that looks like that would be a lot of fun, whatever. And this woman who was on the horseback riding said to me, like, I would never go on a buggy rather than a horse. I said, what are you talking about? Why? I said, because you can drive a buggy off a cliff. You cannot get a, ride a horse off a cliff. <laughs> so, anyway, so it's interesting about you play Mazel, let's play Mazel, you know? It's like stupid acts of human beings. Anyway, okay, so, so Adam, easily Mazlak, Siv Kiyigach. Somehow human beings are less, more protected by their own wits or by cosmos. So therefore, you need a. a it only yigach indicates like a very focused act of goring. Only then will the human being get injured. The hema animals that don't have that type of luck. It might happen with less intention. So what is exactly the nuance difference? Rashi gives two explanations. One is yigov might imply more a act, a more a crime of opportunity than a crime of, of, of than, than like a you know that an animal sees another animal it wasn't planning on goring it but it happened by another animal whereas by a human being right it will really only if the ox is really dead set on doing it will it happen okay so that's the difference between Kiyigov and Kiyigov the other difference Rashi says why it's killed right because that, 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 right. it is a focused act so there are more reasons to kill it uh, yeah but you also kill it if it uh, that's true 
true. That's true. Um, hold on. Um, oh, the other possibility Rashi just says is with more is with more viciousness or power. Kiyigolf is like a slight pushing. So a slight pushing might injure a slight goring might injure an animal when it wouldn't injure a human. A human might require you know a more vicious type of neck. So either more intentional or more vicious. Either way, fine. That, now why do we care about that? That's all very fascinating. What difference does it make? Lahalacha. So the Gemara says like this. So by making these distinctions, you can actually learn out in passing a certain halachic issue. What can you learn out halachically? If an animal is habitual of goring a human being, then we know that it's a danger to animals as well. Okay, because it's got that viciousness or intention, it will certainly be a danger to animals. But if an animal is a habitual gorer of other animals, it cannot be assumed to be a habitual gorer of humans. Right? Animals are easier to gore, not a whatever. So therefore, if it gores animals three times and then it gores an animal a fourth time, it'll pay a full. The owner will pay full. But if it gores a human after goring an animal three times, it's still going to pay half. Because it's being habitual for goring animals does not make it habitual for goring humans. Okay, so now we've understood that the psukim are talking about goring. Goring with a horn. That's the av. Okay, what are the toladas? The person sort of takes it out of the category of being a visual gorer. Like no, if it gores a person three times, then it is a no, visual. No, gores an animal two times, and then that's a separate conversation. We have a whole parrot devoted to that. That's not what I'm saying. If it gores three animals, it's not assumed to be habitual for a human. If it gores three humans, it's habitual for animals. What about mixing and whatever? Whatever. It's obviously more complicated than that, but that's the general rule. Both. I'm not getting into those distinctions now. No. So it is true. The Torah describes the case where an ox scored three times and what's the, and killed three times and then it gored a fourth and the question is how did it get around to do goring three times you were supposed to kill it after the first right. so the point is yeah you never got around to bringing it to base in before it had done all of these actions okay all of these things will be discussed I'm glad you're asking all the right questions we have six problems to figure out the answers okay so now the Gemara says like this the Gemara says like this okay now um, okay now now so Nagifa is pushing now Nishicha biting the Gemara says that's like an uh, act of the tooth because the Gemara thinks that what defines the category is which body part is used okay so anything using the mouth that's a shame. Mar says, no, no, no. Love. Shane yeshanalezeka. This is the, the first key shift definition the Torah says. We are not talking about body parts. We are not talking about oxes or body parts. I don't care if it's your ox or your, or your, or your dog or your bee or your, you know, whatever. We, and we're not talking about which part of the body. We are talking about the nature of the act. The nature of the act of shame is an act that is the reason the animal did it was for its own pleasure and benefit. Okay? It wanted to get some physical pleasure. So we're going to say an act of shame is it rubs its body against the wall to scratch its body and the wall falls down. Okay? That's just an act of being focused on getting physical pleasure of the animal and damage occurred incidentally. That's what shame means. Okay? That's what eating means. In this case, when it bites someone, it's not biting to eat. It's biting as an act of doing uh, of, of attack right so goring does not mean using the horn goring means doing an act of intended violence against something an act of attack and that's phrased as the guy hasn't used the frame right with the words right now but that's called kavanasol hazik 
Its intention is to do damage. Okay? Eating and trampling, it's not intending to do damage. Okay? Revitsa, so Gemara, it's going to now just repeat this idea. Revitsa ubiita, kicking and crouching, told her the rego, that's using the legs, that should be rego. It says, lo, rego hazeka matsui, honey ain't hazeka matsui. So rego is, is it, it's, it's doing a regular act of walking. Now, it's not really walk, meaning, rego is, shane, as I said, is an act of pleasure. When an animal sits down, it's not like about getting physical pleasure, right? When an animal, uh, what was the other one that it said here? Uh, what, oh, well, that's kick, oh, but anyway, an act of regel is an act of the normal types of movement of an animal. So shane is an act the animal does. And shane and regel are often categorized together because they're neither done with an intention of doing damage. Shane is done with a desire for the animal to get physical pleasure. And regel is just the normal type of movement of an animal. So if an animal, talk about pushing, if an animal accidentally pushed something over, that's regel. If an animal pushes like this, you know, you can push someone in line, right? That's Karen. It doesn't matter. Everybody get it? It does not matter the physical body part, right? An animal walking and bumping into something is regal. An animal pushing something intentionally is an act of Karen. Okay, so these is, and these, like, two lines, we basically have the conceptual de- definition of Karen, Shane, and regal. Karen is Kavanasa Lahazik. Shane is Hanar Lahazeko. Regal is Hazeko Matsue, which is not the best, you know, definition. It really means something that happens incidentally through its natural type of movement. Now, Jacob, you have a question? What was the Torah paradigmatic regal? We haven't got to that yet. Okay. We're going to get to it. Now, the qu- interesting question which I'll let, let us think about is what happens when something falls into multiple categories, right? You know, in the, like, ha- could you imagine something that had multiple of those characteristics and then which category would it fall? Anyway, so now the Gemara says like this. Uh, let's just read one more line. Ella told us in Yotim and Papa, so when Rafa says the Tolodos are not like the Avot, could it, which is it referring to? The, to Ilemahani, to? even on the things we just dealt with, the Tolodo of a Karen, Majna Karen, the Kavanasola Hazik, and now that's the third definition. Hanol Hazeko, Hazeko Matsui, right? That's Shane and Rego, and now we've given the definition to Karen, Kavanasola Hazik. So in these like three lines, we gave a very precise conceptual definition. Majna Karen, the Kavanasola Hazik, it's intending to do damage. Now, borrowing the language of the Mishnah, it's your property and you have an obligation to watch it. So the other things in the category are the exact same. Biting, kicking, they also are intending to do damage and it's your money and you have an obligation to watch it. Ella says, you're right. Told of the Karen to Karen. The Tolod of Karen is like Karen. The Chikamar of Papa, and if Papa said the Tolodos are not like the Avot, a Shane Varegel. It's by Shane and Regel. And tomorrow we'll look at Shane Varegel and see are the Tolodos like it or not like it. But the last thing I want to say is, and this goes back to Doe's question earlier, that is not, the Gemara said, said the wrong thing. When the Gemara wanted to say that the Tolodos of Karen were like Karen, it should have said, the same way the Av, you pay Chasi Nezek the first three times and a full Nezek afterwards, 
The Torah is also you pay chazi nezik the first three and the laws afterwards. By saying the same way the av is kavanasul hazik, the Torahs are kavanasul hazik. All you've told me is why did you put it in the same category? You didn't tell me whether it has the same halacha or not. So it's a funny phrasing of the Gemara, but we'll assume that's what it means. What we've now is identified conceptually what are the categories: kavanasul hazik, darkul hazik, and uh, and hanal hazeko. And we now are going to start putting the different types of acts into those conceptual categories, okay? And we will pick up with this.